LegalizeFreedom.com Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Beyond politics, poverty and war. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host Greg Moffat and my guest today is William Buhlman, who joins us to discuss out-of-body experiences and his latest book, Adventures in the Afterlife. Adventures in the Afterlife is a powerful journey of spiritual awakening, a bold quest for answers and enlightenment. The old assumptions of heaven are confronted and an expansive new vision of our continuing life is presented. After being diagnosed with cancer, William pursued answers to the mysteries of our existence after death. Confronting his own mortality, he experienced profound insights into what lies beyond our physical body, and our journey into the next life is the basis for adventures in the afterlife. William chronicles his out-of-body experiences and lucid dreams, and although the insights are sometimes surprising, a clear message is always apparent. We are powerful, spiritual beings, and we shape our reality now and in the future. Hello and welcome, William, and thank you so much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. It's a pleasure to be here, Greg. Excellent. Now, today, William, we're going to discuss some of your work with um, out-of-body experiences uh, and some of the issues raised in your recent book, Adventures in the Afterlife. Uh, Before we get into the details of that, perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about your background and how you became interested in this work? Well, back in uh, 1972, uh, actually a friend of mine had an out-of-body experience, a spontaneous one, and he told me about it, and it was it was pretty life-changing for him, and I wanted to also have the same type of experience, so I did some research, and I found that there were techniques that we could actually um, use to self-initiate an out-of-body experience, and all this was new to me. I, I knew nothing about, I was not a believer. Matter of fact, I was pretty much an atheist at the time. And I did a technique, which is similar to what I do today, uh, called the target technique. And about 24 days into doing the daily technique, I had my first out-of-body experience, which was uh, life-changing. It opened up a whole new world, opened up a whole universe and it was incredibly exciting and it started my personal exploration into the subject in recent years william you had a major health issue arise and perhaps you could say how has that overlapped with the out-of-body work and how has your personal experience actually changed you know yourself in regard to your work and also just your your personal outlook Well, in uh, March of 2011, I was diagnosed uh, with stage four cancer of the throat and lymph nodes. And it changed my perception uh, because I became more interested in afterlife. Because, you know, it's funny how things become more interesting when you confront them. 
um, we have a tendency to push that subject away, the whole subject of transition. And uh, I became more interested in learning more, becoming, what are the answers? I wanted to know what happens. And uh, during my uh, recovery, I had a lot of spontaneous and self-initiated experiences that led me to write a new book uh, called Adventures in the Afterlife, which explores the topic from a a totally different perspective. Uh, It's it's no new age, uh, no science, strictly from an observational viewpoint what I experienced when I was in altered states of consciousness and during out-of-body experiences that I experienced during recovery. Um, what, what, oh, it opened me up, I think, to a, a broader vision of our multidimensional universe and what happens at what we call death, which is, of course, just a transition of consciousness. In a sense, what it confirmed to me more than anything is the importance of out-of-body exploration because this important work prepares us for that transition that we will all go through. I mean, there's no avoiding the fact that we're going to leave our bodies. So we're all going to have this out-of-body experience. And the more prepared we are, I feel strongly, let's just say the more enlightened that transition can be, the higher realities, let's say, we may be able to access because we live in a multi-dimensional universe and most people limit themselves by their beliefs. So it opened up a, a wider world for me. Uh, and it was an exciting time where I had an opportunity to uh, learn from personal experience about what we will all confront. This is the idea that you've touched upon that uh, many people have mentioned over the, the years and probably longer of, of, to die before you die really in terms of preparation. Yes. Yes. And I think this is really important. In other words, uh, most people go to their transition completely ignorant of what will happen. And that, and they're also very fearful and because our society, our religions does not provide any real guidance. That's meaningful. There's a lot of hoping and praying, but that is not knowledge. Uh, That is not guidance. That is not really preparing anyone for this transition of consciousness that all of us will certainly experience. So I feel it's incredibly important that uh, that we gain the knowledge we need. need. And this knowledge can be gained through out-of-body exploration uh, because it obviously gives us that firsthand experience of what people call the other side, but it's actually, it gives us an opportunity to enter in full consciousness, the multidimensional universe that we all dwell within and to begin to become comfortable with our energy body. Because during the transition, after the transition, we're entering the rules of the road change. We're in an energy, we're in a a less dense energy body. And there's so much that needs to be learned. And it gives us a, a massive advantage uh, of knowledge and experience that we can be prepared, let's say, to navigate these thought responsive dimensional realities that we enter at death. Now, prior to your diagnosis, 
what extent were you to what extent were you interested in questions of the afterlife or was your previous research you know basically centered on the out of body experience without necessarily addressing questions of uh, you know transition at death for almost 40 years my my total focus has been out of body exploration um and i touched on one of my one of my books secret of the soul about transition and about how different ways that we can approach it but not as much from a first person standpoint um what i found interesting is that uh during the last two and a half years especially I received a personal confirmation that what I wrote in Secret of Soul is absolutely correct. You know, we live in a multidimensional universe, and this physical world is like the epidermis layer, for lack of a better word, of the universe. And when we make the transition of death, we're just shedding the outer crust of our own consciousness and moving inward into a less dense, more thought-responsive dimensional reality that exists right here, right now, we just don't, don't see it. And it gives us that preparation that is so critical, I think, for us to, let's just say, move uh, to enjoy the full potential of our non-physical or spiritual essence. Obviously, I hope that you had what you would characterize as a good experience with, with you know, dealing with the, the cancer. Um, but in general terms, uh, and this relates to your your work most definitely. That modern medicine does tend to ignore the non-physical, and in terms of our well-being, I mean, it barely acknowledges psychological elements. You know, if someone is, goes to their GP and they're referred to a psychologist, it's seen as somehow less of a an issue than someone who's got a physical ailment. And in dealing with the body, um, you mentioned you know energetic. Um, aspect of this and that's that's what the, the modern medicine mainstream medicine anyway in the West it um, completely overlooks yes unfortunately that's true uh, modern medicine still focuses only on the physical uh, there are some exceptions now uh, in America some of the they're starting to open up to the idea of energy work and um, even Reiki as a healing modality but in general that's very true that's why I think this work is so incredibly important because it opens us up. We have to take responsibility for our transition. You know, we, there's an old saying that we arrived here alone, we exit alone. And we, and only we, each of us as individuals have to take total responsibility. It's up to us to learn about what's going to happen. It's up to us to become educated. It's up to us to prepare our state of consciousness. And um, we can't depend on the medical community to do much except keep us comfortable, essentially. Um, let's face it, the healing comes from within. And I think that's, that's an old adage that's been around for a long, long time. And what the medical, the physical medical community does is just essentially remove tumors and do things like that can, that can allow healing sometimes to occur. But it's as we open up to our multidimensional self, I think that's where he, we can tap into that healing that can occur and that can assist all of us to, let's just say, heal quickly. After my, I, I can use myself as an example. Um, I healed very quickly. I, I was diagnosed uh, in, 
in March, uh, and I was back doing six-day workshops in October, or actually September. I mean, it was a very, I had, even though it was a serious, um, I had a full neck dissection because I had a large tumor in my neck. But even with the trauma of the experience, I still healed very quickly. And I think that's due to that inner, opening up our inner healing ability that I think out-of-body experiences enhance that dramatically. And so does other practices like meditation, anything that opens us up to these inner channels that exist within us, our energetic potential, let's say, uh, it was, it is a huge step forward that eventually science will catch up to. Well, there is some evidence now that, uh, you know, it's science and spirituality, the two things that were so far apart for so long that there does seem to be a, a convergence happening now. And we're hearing terms like spiritual science, you know, which was Rudolf Steiner's idea, wasn't it, a hundred years ago? And there are a lot of exciting things happening. We've got a long way to go, but they're cutting edge science is certainly taking us in directions that I think are very encouraging and are more about coming together of different strands and traditions um, that really should never have been separate in the first place. Absolutely. I agree. One of the things that I would um, just like to say briefly related to this subject is during my recovery, I asked, I not only did I have spontaneous out-of-body experiences, but during the experience, I just very simply, I opened myself to be a complete channel for the healing power of the universe or God flowing through me, whatever term you like to use. And I think that had a dramatic impact on my uh, rapid recovery. Uh, and I know for a fact that 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 probably was more important to my recovery than anything else I did. And I even write about it in the new book. I talk about floating in this chamber where these vibrational energies are all around. And that's exactly what I experienced. And it's not like I created it. I'm not saying that that I didn't consciously create this healing environment. My higher self or spiritual essence created this healing environment because I was open and receptive to it. And I think this is what is so important. Just being open to our essence and, and allowing that healing energy to, let's just say, saturate every part of our multidimensional self. And that's the true source of healing. Yeah, because a lot of... Um illness and there are certain types of um, disease that are particularly prevalent in the modern world they're at the root it's fundamentally a sort of an energy disruption more than anything else yeah I mean there's beyond trauma and toxicity you know trauma being you you have an arm severed well you know you can think what you like but your arm's been severed you know you drink a bottle of um, arsenic well you can think what you like but you know <laughs> that, that's that but beyond those two things it really is um, at the energetic level that I think illness seems to come and go? Oh, absolutely. There's energy blocks. I mean, this is something that the Chinese started talking about thousands of years ago with the meridians. Uh, there's nothing new. Um, uh, actually, it's just an older, let's just say it's an ancient practice of, of as above, so below, that there's energy. We are energy beings. Even quantum physics says that. There's nothing solid in the universe. So as energy beings, as consciousness, we have the ability to influence 
our physical self. And I think that is, it's just common sense to me. And unfortunately, I think the source of many illnesses today are energy blocks and, and disruptions that uh, because of, let's just say, lack of our core self, lack of our multidimensional essence. And with so many people in a materialistic society totally focused on their body, instead of focusing inward to the energetic source that lies within them. We mentioned earlier uh, your latest book, which is Adventures in the Afterlife. And the first section of that, it's, we can sort of say it's fictionalized account. And you've um, come up with this character, Frank Brooks. And the first part of the book tells the story of his journey in the afterlife, what, what happens to him, what he experiences after physical death. Now, it was most interesting reading it because as you go through it, you get an impression of what you think is happening to this guy and then it suddenly changes. And it's, you know, it's, it's actually very entertaining in that way. For example, in the early stages, Frank arrives in what appears to be heaven. It's picket fences, flower beds. It's a very pleasant life. But he discovers quite quickly that it's actually a very controlled and limited environment and that the place he finds himself in is not the end. Oh, absolutely. Because that is what in hundreds and hundreds of my experiences, I have experienced similar realities. I call them consensus realities. At death, people go to the reality that conforms to their concepts of a physical like reality and there are and what many people don't don't seem to understand is that there's countless millions of realities because the universe is thought responsive so we will go to the reality initially and that's clearly what i was presenting in the book the the character goes to the reality that resonated with his state of consciousness and then as he let's just say, awakens to the fact that there's more than this. It's a pleasant heaven. He experiences of, it's much more pleasant than the physical world, and it's much more beautiful. But he realizes there's severe limitations also because it is created by the group mind of the inhabitants. And there are millions of these realities. Uh, for instance, the, the, uh, a right-wing Christian would not experience the same kind of afterlife as a right-wing Muslim would. They, they, uh, they would enter consensus realities that may be dramatically different in, because it's, they, people go to what resonates with them. What I wanted to get across was the multidimensionality of the universe and how that we limit ourselves by what we believe. And once you open up to the totality of yourself, you can begin to experience the, fuel, the full beauty and spectrum of our, our magnificent universe that we, and it's all for us, but people limit themselves. And, and that's what I really tried to get across in a dramatic way. That's why on page seven, I had the main character die. I wanted to get across a gut or gut, gut feeling of this. And, and it's not the end. There is no end point. We continue to evolve through many, many dimensions always growing, always expanding, if we choose to. But it's our choice, and that's what I think is important. No one's pulling our strings. It's up to us to make a decision and move on to another reality, another, let's just say, opening 
for our consciousness to expand and grow. One of the ramifications of this idea of the afterlife being shaped by expectations and beliefs is that if the afterlife reality can be very similar to your former former life, then that means that it's not necessarily a place where you're free and liberated and transformed and healed. Um, you give examples if you're an inveterate gambler or alcoholic or drug addict or you've got some other kind of major life issue, that that may continue initially in any case uh, in the afterlife until, as you point out, you choose to move beyond it. Oh, absolutely, because we carry our stuff with us. Just because the body dies, our mind still continues with us. And we carry with us our limits, our fears, our blocks, our Remember, a lot of people forget that at, the, at its core, all addictions, all, let's just say, issues are psychologically based. Uh, there is an addictive personality, for instance. Yes, the physical addiction drops away because the body has died, but not the inherent energy behind it, which is that addictive personality. And, and that is what continues, I have found. It was shocking to me when I discovered this, and I, I've witnessed this firsthand. I was basically reporting what I have seen to the best of my ability. And um, it, it was shocking to me because, you know, everybody expects, uh, you know, it's a lot of people still believe in this idea of, of angels and clouds and uh, pearly gates. And, you know, it, it, unfortunately, that because that's all they've been told. And that is not the reality of the afterlife. The afterlife is a continuation of your personal state of consciousness. This is why it is so important for us to work on ourselves, to expand our beliefs, to expand beyond man-made beliefs, actually, and to open ourselves up to our true potential, which is unlimited. Just there's no limit. And unfortunately, that's not the, what happens. Most people latch on to belief systems and they carry them with them to the grave and beyond. And they, and of course, what happens is a consensus reality, whether it be Christian or Hindu or Buddhist or whatever you want to make it, whatever your affiliation may be. But your thoughts alone hold you in the reality that you experience. There, and that is, that's kind of shocking when you realize that. Because people don't even realize that they've imprisoned themselves, just like in the physical world. You know, that's how many people have never left their own street where they lived? I mean, how many people have never really stepped outside of their own religion and examined another philosophy? There's billions of people like that. The same, the same mindset continues. Yeah, and you use the phrase in the book, actually, somewhere uh, trapped in heaven. Which is a you know a really good one, very thought provoking, and, and it's true. People continue as they have in the past, and the, because the core of their mindset will continue. Uh, if if you're a follower, you will continue to be a follower of a belief system, for instance, because that's where you're comfortable. People create. Like this, and I, I'm not the first, it's been said for many times, people create a box around themselves. And this box is their beliefs, their self-concept. 
In other words, we carry our limits with us. That's why it's so important, I feel, for us to break free. This is why OBEs are important. OBEs blast you out of that box. Because any belief you may have had, after you have an out-of-body experience, you're fully, fully out of your body and you realize it, suddenly the entire universe takes on a different perspective. And you realize, oh my God, I have the ability to be an explorer. I can, there's no limits. I can, I can explore other realities. I can explore other timelines. Imagine this. You be, all of us have the potential to become uh, Christopher Columbus, Leif Erikson. You know, all of us have that ability. But, and if, and that's why it's so important for us to, to, to make these leaps of consciousness. Because if you don't, you will find yourself in a very cloistered environment. Um, surrounded by those that also are of like mind because that that's that's the way that everything is consciousness that's the bottom line and consciousness that resonates with one another will create a consensus reality of like mind and unfortunately all the limits all the blocks all the fears are also brought along so in terms of expectations and beliefs and belief systems, then take someone like, for example, the um, atheism crusader Richard Dawkins, if he believes that the afterlife, well, doesn't exist and he will experience a black void of nothingness, then he may well experience a black void of nothingness. It's possible. It is very possible that he would experience if he so. Um, again, I don't know for sure on this in this this case. But I know for a fact, let me use myself an example. Back in 1971, I considered myself an atheist, but yet I still had an out-of-body experience that blew me wide open. I realized my, during my first experience, I not only left my body, but I saw an individual standing there observing me. And this whole concept, and I knew it wasn't a physical person. And it was a mind, it was a mind blower because suddenly all of my cute and what I consider to be logical conclusions of atheism was blown to bits because I knew not only that I, that I continued because I could think rationally, my body is right across the room, but yet I'm standing there thinking rationally. In other words, Reality is much more expansive than any concept that we hold. Reality is much more wonderful than anything that we've ever been taught. Or, and I think a lot of times people are just blasted into a new, a new concept of themselves. And it opens up doors very quickly. Now, in terms of uh, if people are thinking, oh, well, if, if we're experiencing such a narrow band as it were frequency bandwidth of reality on this physical earth then why are we here and in the book you do address this issue that there there is actually a purpose to this that it isn't pointless and it isn't all just about getting away from here and into the afterlife that manifestation on earth has a function for us it's different for, for different people and you also address the idea of reincarnation that sometimes you know souls return to this plane Yes, I, I look at the physical as a training ground, a dense, temporary training ground of consciousness. 
And I also feel that as we move inward, the universe becomes more and more thought responsive. And to the point where when once we reach into what people would consider, there's not an upper or lower I like to make clear. It's I considered inward journey. As we make our journey inward through our multidimensional self into these more pristine areas, you realize that instant thought creates instant reality. And think about it. Who would you once standing next to you in a reality where every thought, spontaneous thought, conscious or unconscious, becomes instant reality. How many people that you know would you want next to you? So my point, my point is this. There needs to be a training ground for consciousness to develop self-control, to develop the skills needed to coexist in an environment where things happen instantly. And I feel strongly that the physical and the astral worlds, but especially the physical world, was specially designed to essentially allow the young, or if you wish to call it the young, undisciplined souls or consciousness to exist in an environment where they, they are more or less cloistered in a separated and in a slowed down molecular world. And that's what the physical world is. It's a slowed down molecular world where thoughts, let's face it, for us to create, we have to focus. We have to really focus to create. And that's part of the training ground. Each of us is in our own course of training that we have, our higher self has developed. And at the main and the same time, we've separated. We are separated from the higher dimensional realities so that there's no disturbance, let's say, of these pristine realities. And I think it's, it's a multi-pronged and magnificent, just it, it, the beauty and, and effectiveness of the system is beyond thought even, because everyone is evolving consciousness-wise at their own pace. And we are using tools, which are our physical body is a tool of our educational system the very act of being in a body is part of the training because we have to focus our attention through multiple dimensions through our mind through our subconscious mind through our conscious mind through our energy body our astral body and then all the way down into the physical so just the very act of having a body and using a body and very few people are aware of this process of course it's an incredible educational system. Every moment of every day, you're operating a biological body, which is essentially a vehicle of consciousness. That's truly what it is. And that's an integral part of our training. And I think it's very important. And this is, this is one of countless training grounds because there's millions of planets. There's millions of different life forms, and they're all being used as a tool for consciousness to evolve itself so it will be, let's just say, prepared to enter the pristine thought-responsive thought environments of the inner dimensions. Some of this um, information overlaps um, a little with some work uh, that some listeners may be familiar with done by a lady called Dolores Cannon. And this idea that we're manifesting 
in form here on the earth and that some souls may do so more than once. Some will need to return here. Others might choose to. There'll be different reasons for it. If, how can I put this? If someone manifested back in this realm, in, in physical form, for a purpose, would they always be able to remember that? How would that remembering manifest itself? Well, number one, I have found, and I, I was not a believer initially. I, I, I'm not a new age type of person that just buys into beliefs. So I want to make this clear. But I have found beyond the shadow of a doubt that the concept of reincarnation is totally valid because it's a training ground. You can't learn it all in one trip. It's that simple. It's And it's logical. Uh, but let's put that aside for a moment. Our subconscious mind remembers everything. Our higher self knows everything, remembers everything. Nothing is ever lost. So every journey into matter, which is, of course, birth, every birth into matter, we have an, a golden opportunity to learn by being. We become what we wish to learn. You know, there's no, both of us are males. No book could tell us what it's like to be a female, could it? We would never, I don't care how many books you read about being a female, you or I would not truly understand it. But one incarnation as a female, we would get it pretty quick, I think, because that, that's the system we live within. We become what we wish to learn. If you wish to experience courage in a pristine environment of the higher dimensions, there's no death. There's no there's the concept of courage is a philosophical one. But once you enter Earth and you're you're in a battle you have to, you're, you feel your life is, ex, is at risk. And there you, the only way you develop qualities of soul or consciousness is to experience these qualities. So in the middle of a battle and you save your, your friend next to you by risking your own life, you have experienced courage. And then that becomes part of your totality of your consciousness. This is the training system. This is why the reincarnational process is absolutely essential because it takes multiple experiences for us to personally experience every major quality of an advanced soul or consciousness. And you can only gain that through personal experience. You can't get it from books. You can't get it from philosophy. You get it Life is about experience and life is about having and then absorbing the knowledge and those qualities gained, whether it be forgiveness or courage or self-sacrifice. That is gained through personal gut-wrenching experience. And that's what all of us are doing here. But very few people realize it. And the realization when it comes which ultimately it must, I mean, it's a very powerful thing because as you're living proof of it, it so changes how you, your attitude to to life and and the world and everything in it. And, and more importantly, to your ideas about death, because death that faces us all, it dominates our lives, you know, even if it's subconsciously, psychologically, it's there. It's our, it's one, one of the great taboos, you know, isn't it the last great taboo, perhaps, uh, certainly Western society. And this that the realization is fundamentally a game changer. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's unfortunate that uh, 
the the concept of death is from especially from a religious standpoint has remained stagnant for 2000 years there is no people still in our society today fear death just like they did in the middle ages there has been no advancement whatsoever because people only look at themselves because as physical beings because they haven't had that personal experience for instance and that is why i feel so strongly that out of body experiences are and i feel an essential part of our developmental process because it gives us that absolute verification and certainty that oh my god i do continue i know it fear the fear dissolves i have no and i know it's easy to say this but i mean it sincerely i have no fear of death i have none because i know it's an illusion i know from a thousand out-of-body experiences that i will continue matter of fact it's one of the things i try to write about is how to enhance our this transition through our out-of-body experiences and how to become more consciously multidimensional so we can go beyond the what is considered the astral plane or the bardos by the buddhists we have the ability to dramatically dramatic not only remove fear but to expand the journey of consciousness at this transition of death and go beyond the consensus realities that is so prevalent within the astral world the astral dimension and what of course the buddhists call the bardos which are what i also i call the consensus realities and it's like a giant trampoline that gives us that ability to just bypass a lot of the stuff that other people will let's just say experience but most importantly at least on the onset fear is one of the main things one of the main things i teach i do a six-day workshop at the monroe institute and one of the techniques i always teach people is to fly into the sun fly into the sun during an out-of-body experience because it is an incredible fear is gone it, it is dr so dramatic and so life-changing for people because suddenly all these limitations and blocks and fears are just dissolved and away and you realize i'm immortal there's nothing to be afraid of and this is a transformational experience <clears throat> when i was a child long before i'd ever considered any concepts of um you know wider realities or other dimensions I sort of, might have been sorry, a bit naive, but I didn't see the point, quote-unquote, in being afraid of death because it seemed to be inevitable. I thought, well, you know, if there's some form of afterlife or heaven or hell, as people talked about, the adults talked about back then, uh, well, so be it, then we'll find out soon enough, won't we? And if there is the aforementioned black void of nothingness, well, then you won't be conscious of it, you know? But I think that that being the case, what gets most people is more the idea. It's not so much that one day the lights will just go out it's the death of their ego because they're so identified with it this the idea of them the ego identity not being here anymore and that what they've stood for in this life would be annihilated forever that's the idea i think that haunts people the most i i agree completely uh greg because people are totally identified uh with the ego in the physical world the vast majority of humanity is lives in that state and uh, and it's also a very much, they're not only ego, but their physical state. 
So it's a, it's a double negative in a way. Not only do you think that you're a physical body, but you think you're your ego, just this, this temporary creation of the mind. And uh, what you find out quickly, and this also applies to meditation, but I think it's often more dramatic during an out-of-body experience. You're blasted out of that state often. Not only do you realize suddenly that you're standing next to your body, that, oh, my God, I'm certainly not my body. So what am I? Am I my mind? And then through out-of-body experience, you begin to realize that, wow, I'm more than my mind. My mind is also a tool of consciousness. It's, it's, it's like a hard drive that I'm using. It's, it's not me. There is a part of me that exists beyond the mind. And that is what we have the ability through out-of-body exploration to explore. And it gets very, very exciting because suddenly this new realm opens up. The first step, of course, is this realization I'm not my body. But then there's this greater realization that I'm not my ego. I'm not my mind. I'm something much more expansive than that. And that's why I teach a technique and I have for the last 20 years, is I call it the higher self technique, where you, during an out-of-body experience, you demand to go or experience your higher self. In other words, go beyond the mind. What many people experience is they're floating in a sea of white light connected to everything. I mean, people experience it differently, but they're suddenly beyond uh, the ego. And they see the universe in themselves from a whole different perspective. And it's this is a remarkable experience that's available to all of us. And it's not about beliefs. It's just about opening up to our full potential during our out-of-body explorations. Now, what has your experience so far indicated to you about the extent to which thought affects reality in on the physical earth because there's a lot of talk about that in you know alternative circles these days you create your own reality with your thoughts some people are saying of course you don't you've only got to look at anyone who gets up you know at dawn to go to a job that they hate that they're not creating their own reality and others are saying no actually thought whether individual or collective is very very important in determining what manifests in terms of you know events here on the earth there is no doubt in my mind that our thoughts are manifesting all the time our reality. Unfortunately, people are disconnected from it. Think of everything in your life. Every, and I'm not, you know, I think Einstein said this also, but every physical thing, the, the predecessor to everything around us was a thought. Even the knickknacks in our home, the shoes that are on our feet, the haircut that we have, the clothes that we wear, it was all predece the predecessor with a thought. Because the first thought, at first I want to go and buy new shoes. A thought drives you there. So, I, But unfortunately, people don't track the cause and effect in their lives. They're, they're very busy and they just feel, oh, it's just matter manifesting around me. And it's not like that at all. There is an energetic cause and effect constantly at work around us. But you have to begin to tune into it. You have to begin to become sensitive 
to the own thought projections that you have. Each of us is a beacon projecting our thought energy, and this thought energy is creative. Now, granted, if if you, just like a belief system, if you tie yourself in to the limits of a belief system, whether it be religious or intellectual, if you buy in to a belief system, you that will limit your potential on every level. But once you free yourself from this and you begin to track your own, and I, I would I would say to your listeners right now, for one day, just try, and it's difficult to do, just try. I wouldn't don't even give it a day. Try it for an hour at first. Track your thoughts. Your and you'll be shocked at this litany of we create forty thousand thoughts a day. And these thoughts are creating an energy field around us. And that field has has an impact on matter. And the problem is that people don't recognize it. And a lot of people are surrounding themselves, saturating themselves with a negative field of energy. And of course, and they're also buying in to a consensus. Like, for instance, I have to work for someone else. That's the only way, you know, I, but yet all of us have the potential to be creative and create something new, but some of us break free from that. My point is try it, track your thoughts, look around your own environment and you will come to the realization that your thoughts have brought everything around you, your relationships, your job, your health. Every knickknack in your home is a direct result of your dominant thoughts, either of your own or group thoughts that you have, let's just say, accepted with others, whether it be a spouse or friends or whatever it may be. But I feel that's what we're here for is to gain, begin to gain control, begin to acknowledge and recognize that we're powerful, creative, spiritual beings. And that we are the creator of our reality. And the more that we tap into this, the more powerful it becomes. That being the case, then, we could see how the situation on the earth, regard, you know, all sorts of metrics, you know, the environment, pe- people's welfare, you name it. Where there's a litany of problems at the minute. You only have to turn on the nightly news to discover yeah. that. So th- what you're saying would indicate then that this could be changed for the better, How does that fit with the idea of Earth as a training ground, as a testing, difficult training ground? Because some people would say Earth is the way it is because it needs to be that way. Others would say um, we could and should make enormous improvements to conditions here. I feel that we're each on an individual journey, number one, and that we're each learning our own lessons. And unfortunately, the Earth is a result of a consensus of seven billion souls. And that in itself is creating, and there's 7 billion souls of that. You said it yourself, the vast majority are totally driven by their ego mind. And they're totally, they're totally, totally identified themselves as only physical beings. So they have, in a sense, just those two assumptions have limited the species to a certain limit of their, at, at least it, by our current standard. This is this, this is, it's a disconnect from our true self. 
This is what leads to pollution. This is what leads to crime. That's what I, I've been saying this for 20 years. If everyone on the planet had an out-of-body experience right now, it would shift the entire consciousness of the planet dramatically because people would realize, oh, my God, I continue. I am responsible for what I do. I am responsible not only for my thoughts but for my deeds. People would suddenly not do the things that they do. Crime would become why would you have wars? Why would you kill someone else knowing you continue? You have to pay the price when you, you hurt another individual. There, there's no free. Everybody thinks there's a free lunch at the end somewhere. Because, and I'm not talking about hell. I don't, I'm, I'm not saying that. I don't believe in a hell. I have never found any incident. I have found, though, that the universe, that each of us create our own cause and effect. And that is part of the learning. My point is that through out-of-body exploration, we get this viewpoint that, oh, my God, I am completely responsible for everything that I say and do. If I harm the planet, if I pollute the earth, if I steal, I'm stealing from myself because we're all interconnected. If I harm another, I'm harming myself. And this is a dramatic shift of consciousness that, that, that would suddenly elevate, I feel, the entire consciousness of the, all 7 billion people on the planet. Because remember, we're not people. We're souls. We're consciousness evolving. The human form is just one of many forms we may use. And that realization would make a huge difference to the the, let's just say this evolutionary process that we all find ourselves within. Yeah, a lot of the problems we face stem from this attitude that, you know, this life is all there is, you know, the, the materialistic get what you can while you're here, you know, just yeah. even though, as I like to say, it all goes back in the box, you know, like at the end of a Monopoly game, it's still grab as much as you can, tread over the other guy, just get ahead, get ahead. And I think that's why you see a lot of people um, they talk about having deathbed revelations. It's only when a lot of people are faced directly with the fact that actually, the, you know, everything that I did was actually pointless and I could have lived differently and I wish I'd done X, Y and Z that they, they have their epiphany. Yes. And near death experiences give people that sudden realization that, oh, my God, because let's face it here, everybody, there's so many billions and billions of people that are. Uh, struggling to acquire objects and then that's what I realized and I write about this in my latest book it became very clear you can't take any of that crap with you it's meaningless dribble all of it everything that people they work a lifetime to achieve a bunch of stuff that they can't take with them and then it hits you oh my god there's more to life than this there's more to life than having a car and a big house and 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 these some people struggle to have awards and recognize none of that matters and suddenly the light bulb goes off that oh my god i have to start really working on myself and improve myself and my so i so because what i the only thing we take with us is our state of consciousness that's it that's the only thing that matters so it's that's what's important to really focus upon. And that's why I feel that meditation and out-of-body experiences 
And the work that the Monroe Institute does is so important because it's all about elevating, expanding this, our individual state of consciousness. Now, I have often wondered, what is the nature of the force that seems to be set against this? Is it real in any sort of independent way? Or is it just a, another manifestation of that some souls are bringing into being? I feel strongly that it's ignorance of, of our self. It's not an external force. I've never seen in my 41 years of having out of body experiences, I've never encountered anything like a devil or Satan or anything like that. Never. It's the ignorance of our own self that creates some problems in the world. It really is. People, wars are created by just the egomaniacs, let's face it that are totally disconnected from their, their true essence of what they are. And they're focused on the acquisition of land or often throughout history. Let's face it, like World War II, Germany expanded. They wanted to expand their land. They wanted to expand then the power, land and power. And then you realize once you get in, more in touch with yourself, these land and power mean nothing. They're, 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 they're less than transitory. They're meaningless because all of us continue on the same journey. All of us continue. We're all immortal, powerful, creative, spiritual beings, and we all continue. Well, I've noticed as well, I, I don't know if you've read anything about transhumanism, but some of the sort of dismal, dark suits, you know, the people operating in the shadows, uh, who I was thinking of in a previous question, seem to be very obsessed with life extension and with, um, you know, only eating certain types of food so they can try and look as good and live as long as possible. And who wouldn't want to have a long life? But it has to be a good life, too. And that does rather seem to be missing the point. Well, I think so, too. A lot of the core issues, the same applies to science. There is an obsession with the body because they have bought into this concept that this is the the center of reality and that this is what reality is it's the only thing it is uh even in science you see this was the super string theory where they you know the reality has nothing to do with physical the physical is a dense thin it's like the, th the crust of an apple i mean that's all it is reality is not created by mat matter and matter is not a good a point to even compare reality to it's the end result of a chain of energetic events my point is that most of the problems in the world are created by the focus this single singular focus that matter is the source and heart of all reality and of my true self and nothing could be further from the truth I try I even mention in science because the super string theory, what do they have to do? Create little vibrating strings, which are what form based energy that creates reality. It's how that's how obsessed they are with form and matter. The opposite is true. All matter is the is the end result of a chain of energy events it's from pure spirit to thought to emotion down into what is the epidermis layer of the universe is matter. So unfortunately, many, many millions and billions of people look at the world 
I, 180 degrees from how I perceive it. And I, I feel strongly that the inner part is really what's important. And the outer part is just a transitory experience for learning and growth. Well, William, we've been talking about your most recent book, Adventures in the Afterlife, and there are so many other areas covered in there that we could get into if we had time. But perhaps as we begin to bring things to a close, uh, you could tell listeners about the forthcoming Gateways of the Mind conference that's taking place in London very shortly, early next month. Uh, maybe you could say something about what your presentation will be. Sure. Um, I will be presenting at Gateways of the Mind in London, uh, which will be held on the 9th and 10th of November. I'll be presenting on the 10th, I believe at 1130 or something. I'll be presenting um, uh, the benefits, essentially. I'm going to cover a lot of what I feel are the pivotal and important and critical benefits we receive from self-initiated and spontaneous out-of-body exploration because it it is an exploration and that we have the ability to self-initiate these profound states of consciousness so that we begin to connect with our true self and that's really at its core not just about the physical improvements that we see around us but I'm going to touch on healing though I'm going to touch on a lot of subjects that I feel important contact with loved ones which many people feel are really important not this using a psychic, but imagine face-to-face contact, uh, being empowered to have face-to-face. In other words, how to self-empower yourself so you no longer have to depend on philosophies and authors, books. Most Most people's concepts and perception of reality are the result of other people's thoughts and minds. And what I like to, my goal is to give people the self-empowerment to have their own profound experiences so that they can reach their own, let's say, enlightened conclusions based on personal experience. Because that's where the answers lie. Not in this, not in the external world, not in intellectualism, but in personal experiences far beyond the body and ideally far beyond the mind even so we can connect with our true self that exists and that's where the answers truly lie anyway my presentation will be on how to self-empower ourselves through these experiences and how we can achieve them in very in a very logical very let's just say a realistic way to adapt these methods into our lives uh, you know we don't have to go in the caves we don't have to we can we can live a busy life and still be able to connect with these insights that are so pivotal to our evolution as consciousness excellent well perhaps in conclusion will you just like to share details of your website and you've got several books available uh, in any forthcoming events, perhaps, that you might have, and just anything else you'd like to share. Sure. Uh, my, my website is www.astralinfo.org. Uh, it's an informational website. It discusses uh, my three books and my workshops I do. I do a six-day workshop at the Monroe Institute, um, which uh, fills up quite quickly. Only 25 people can attend each one. Uh, so they, they kind of sell out quickly. 
I also do some workshops through Europe and France and uh, Italy. And of course, I, uh, I, I offer information on my three books, which is Adventures Beyond the Body, which was published in 96, uh, Secret of the Soul, and then my latest, which is Adventures in the Afterlife, which was just published uh, a couple months ago. So there's a lot of information, a lot of tools people can use at the website. Uh, it's mostly about uh, giving people the uh, information freely that they don't have to buy a book at all if you don't want to. You can just go on the website and there's techniques there. There's guidance. There's a lot of things available. It, it's, it's a tool for people to use. And I, it's always changing. Wonderful. Well, William, thanks again so much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. Oh, thank you, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Well, folks, that's it for another week. As ever, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please check out the website. That's LegalizeFreedom.com, Legalize-Freedom.com, where you'll find an archive of programs offering alternative views on a wide range of topics, including world affairs, politics and economics, science and technology, religion and spirituality, conspiracy, and alternative history. You can also browse and buy a range of books and DVDs from our guests, and if you're feeling generous, make a donation to help keep the site up and running. Until next time, I'm Greg Moffat, and you've been listening to LegalizeFreedom.com.